At Huntington, we've been asking ourselves, can we make saving money any easier? And we think we've solved it. Introducing Money Scout. It analyzes your spending habits, income, and expenses to find money not being used in your checking account, then pushes it to savings automatically. Why would a bank do that? Just to help people thrive. That's how we reinvent banking. Huntington, welcome. Subject to eligibility, terms, conditions, and account agreements. Learn more and enroll at Huntington.com slash MoneyScout. There are so many reasons not to skip breakfast. So many savory, mouth-watering, tasty, delicious beyond all belief reasons. Actually, that last one was pretty convincing. Stop by for a McDonald's breakfast. Mix and match a sausage biscuit, sausage McMuffin, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Any two for just two bucks. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. We are living in a time of dread and uncertainty. This decline of optimism has led many citizens and even leaders equate our current woes to a biblical plague or a divine message from God. We must be punished for our sins and transgressions, they say. In fact, a recent survey conducted by the Pew Research Center and endorsed by the Washington Post shows that more than half of Americans have prayed for the end of coronavirus. Guns, ammunition, and toilet paper are running out, meaning God must not be hearing these prayers. Our next destination? The end times, of course. The apocalypse. The great tribulation. Judgment day. Or for you nerdy types out there, the technological singularity. So, my child, how far would you go to secure your spot in heaven? What if that ticket through the pearly gates could only be bought with human misery and torture? And as in tonight's story, what if your church, your holy congregation, told you there's only one road to heaven, and that's the one paved with your family's blood? What are we drinking tonight? We're drinking Yellow Birds. The hint was flock. I found this drink called Yellow Bird, and I immediately remembered that when I went on a cruise with my sister to the Bahamas, that was her first alcoholic drink was the Yellow Bird, and we both got really fucked up on it. So I was like, "That's yes, this is what we're drinking." Um, so this drink was rum, lots of rum, some orange juice, a little bit of grenadine, and a banana. Okay, blended. Yeah, we did a frozen version because the banana otherwise, you know, you can't really make that work otherwise. The hint is flock. So, Nicole, where are we going? Who are we killing? I think we're going to Iowa tonight. Um, and I think this is a story where a flock. Mm, damn it. It's not a flock. It's a murder of crows um, comes oh, across. Yes, comes across the remains of a body and that's what alerts police to the body so i'm doing like a national geographic type of story no like birds like the town or like the police discover it because all the birds were flocking to this one area i think we're going to washington in the 90s and the killer likes the band flock of seagulls 
Surprise shots, surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. Oh, I know what that was. That was Firejack? No. Or um, Fireball? No. Peanut butter whiskey. This is our screwball peanut butter whiskey. I know we've had peanut butter whiskey before. I don't know if it was screwball, but if you just let it sit, it tastes like a Reese's after. It's good. And I opened this bottle today, definitely put some in my coffee. Now it's, you know, there's a sizable dent in it. So I think along with our island drink, I'll be drinking this tonight. Excellent choice. Thank you. I like the label. Me too. I like a little black sheep. Yes, it says screwball peanut butter whiskey. To the Misfits, Black Sheep, and Screwballs. So this is a Jen Collins liquor because I am all three of those. Dedicated to you, tacos. This is dedicated to the one I love. So tonight, since I got great feedback and a bunch of you guys yelled at me for doing this, I decided I'd start tonight's episode off with another Bible verse. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Did you start in a, a recent one? Yes, he did. Uh, yeah. I don't remember which one, but like, I was oh, like, was where the, the hell did that come from? Was like, it the one that I read for you? No, John read it. And you guys know, eventually I'll become a preacher and have my own super church. And you are all in the cult. <laughs> yeah. All right. Tonight we're reading from the New King James Version, Hebrews. What, which book is that? Old Testament or new? Um, old. Hebrews 13, 17, obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they must give account that they may do with it joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. Basically, obey your spiritual leaders and obey your elders. We're going here tonight, guys. It's the St. Luke's Hospital. In New Bedford? No, it's in New York. But very Mm. close. We're going to Monday, October 12th, 2015 at 1230 p.m. This is the hospital we're going to. Do you see this white van? Yeah. Do you see what they're doing? Wait, there's like, it's like a clown car. People are coming out of everywhere. People are coming out. They're rushing someone in there. Oh, dear. Look at the van. There's a guy on the floor or the ground right there. Yep. They Go put to him on a stretcher. I have a, a video giphy of this. If you look at the ground right there, that's the paramedics Trying performing to do CPR. CPR. Uh-huh. They put them on the stretcher and they wheel them in. This is what happened. Are, they bo- are those bowling shoes? So this was the scene of someone being brought into the hospital. Now, this happens all the time. People bring people, rush up to the door, throw out your dead. And then have hmm. the hospital staff <laughs> throw out your dead. Bring out your dead. <laughs> Bong. <laughs> we are not making a coronavirus joke for no, our sponsors. It's so. a Monty Python joke. And if they didn't know that, they didn't deserve to know. The van pulls up, this white van, as you saw, gotalkmore.com. They basically throw this guy out of the van right onto the cement. Cement, right onto the cement. Pavement. Right onto the pavement. Then the paramedics run out. They start working on them. This ain't working. They're trying to do chest compressions. Uh, Clear. Uh, Nothing. Throw them on the stretcher. Wheel them in. That's the video you just saw. That's what happened. This is in broad daylight, 1230 p.m. Like I said, Monday, October 12th, 2015. Doctors that bring in this boy... He's a 19-year-old. Mm-hmm. He's actually three weeks away from his 20th birthday. Immediately believe that this boy, 19-year-old, has been shot. Hmm. 
and not in the place you want to be shot. They believe he's been shot in the penis. If you see <gasps> these jeans, oh, this is his jeans. Do yikes. you see this blood? Oh, yeah. It's like running down the leg like a urine stain. Yes, exactly. And it's go to talkmore.com. I had the Giphy up here. It is a lot of blood and it's coming straight from his genital area. It's completely soaking his blue jeans. Look at this. Yeah, look how dense that blood is. It's all on his butt too. That I mean that that amount of blood right there will make you lose consciousness and die. Well, there's not an artery in the penis, but there is one right in the upper thigh. It doesn't matter. Right? If you're bleeding if you get shot in the penis and you don't plug it up, so to speak, you, you can bleed out. Yeah, you yeah, can bleed yeah. out anywhere, yeah. even if it's not an artery. Right. Well, like, if you were erect, like, wouldn't there be more blood vessels in your penis? Right? So, like, maybe... Potentially. Was he, was he erect? No, there's the same blood vessels in your penis. They just get filled up. Uh, what? Yeah. You don't, like, automatically gain new blood vessels every time you don't, get a but boner. But doesn't the blood rush to make it... Like, yeah, but So, you, she's, like, she's picturing, like, an explosion of blood. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's... I got a boner and just... <laughs> No, explodes no, out. I'm at, uh, no, I was asking if like, no, because I, I don't know. I don't have a penis, so I don't know. You know, like it was isn't I was asking genuinely if there was if doesn't doesn't there isn't there more blood flow. To there that is area more blood flow. That when is what erect. causes an erection. Right. If you look at this picture, you don't know that he's been shot in a penis, but well, you make an educated been, guess. He could have been shot in the butt. Because it looks kind of like he's shot well, the near there. the femoral artery is there, too. So that's running down your legs. So Well, that's what I, that's what I said. Yeah. yeah. Over the intercom, Joseph LeClaire, in charge of the nursing staff, had announced a code blue, a call for assistance from an unresponsive patient. The 57-year-old nurse entered the triage room where the staff was working on Luke and noticed the teen's ashen skin. It meant Luke's heart was no longer pumping blood through his body. His shirt was open and his pants were still on. LeClaire had taken off the pants to find the source of blood. He saw extensive clotting and swelling in Luke's upper thighs and groin in a hole that looked like a gunshot wound to the side of his penis near the tip. Dr. Mohammed Anwar shined a light in Luke's eyes, but they were unresponsive. The echocardiogram showed a flat line. This was not a living person, but a dead body. Luke was quite cold, and Dr. Anwar believed that he had been dead for some time. At 12.28 p.m., the doctor ceased life-saving efforts and made a declaration of death. A shot in the groin could cause a bullet to travel to different parts of the body. The doctor ordered a chest x-ray to see if the cause of death was a bullet that had penetrated his chest cavity. The forensic pathologist who performed the autopsy testified that this this boy, his name is Lucas, but I'm going to call him Luke from now on, had, quote, a three-quarter inch laceration or tear of the shaft of the penis. And that went completely through the skin to the tissue beneath the skin. His penis was literally cut open. Completely Yikes. slid open. So he had a hole in his penis? Yeah, exactly. It was a tear the length of a penny at the end of the penis. And this is from the doctor. Quote, Lucas was an otherwise healthy 19-year-old, and there was no natural disease that was identified. Okay, there was extensive bruising, which I'm about to show you, and bleeding that went very deep down in the skin and into the muscle below the fat. You may think that the bullet... Inside of him was the cause of death, but it actually wasn't. In fact, there wasn't no bullet at all. He wasn't even shot. What? He wasn't shot. So look at those pants again, Wait, Jen. what? Look at them blue jeans right there. So he wasn't shot? He, he was wasn't stabbed? shot. 
He wasn't stabbed at all. This is from the book. Luke's blood loss had brought on dehydration, which can cause sodium levels to rise. And it didn't appear that Luke had been offered any liquids. The pathologist explained that the high concentrations of sodium in the body cells cause the cells to shrink, which is particularly harmful for the body. So he actually died of trauma, not not being not bleeding out, even though there is a lot of blood. So it wasn't dehydration that killed him or bleeding out that killed him. It was just generalized trauma. Yeah. And I'm not a doctor, so I can't do it any justice, but. I'm I'm just so confused and I probably so, wouldn't be as confused if I wasn't as drunk as I am but like I just don't I just don't I, I'm So lost. there was no gunshot whatsoever. No gunshot whatsoever. There was no nope. stab whatsoever. No stab. The ultimate cause of death was trauma obviously, but this is the pathologist going more scientific. Sorry, mm-hmm. I, I just confused you guys I know. Yeah, because like how do you get that much blood without a traumatic injury? Well, yeah, there's no, a hole in his penis. I know, but like but how did that get there? Are you going to get to that hole, the hole, the hole in the penis? I, no, I was so, going to skip that. <laughs> I'm just so confused. Be patient, young grasshopper. I'm going to skip that. Oh, drunk Jen does not like to wait for these details. The family was actually the one that drove them to the hospital. This is their son. The mom and dad drives them. They bring the van in. Get the fuck out of the way. And they're swerving in traffic. They pull up like you saw in the video. And they're the ones that bring them in. Now, police and doctors automatically think this is a gang-related shooting. Shooting, right? Or a beating or something. The police bring the family in and immediately try to figure out what the fuck happened. Like, he was bleeding, so they brought him to the hospital? He Was he bleeding after they started driving? No, no, no. He was, he was dead for about 12 or more hours, as you'll see. What? And then they bring him to the hospital. You can't bring him back to life. This is not what Elena and Mr. Franz Hans. Detectives bring the dad aside. His name is Bruce. And they try to figure out what the hell is going on. Now, you'll see this guy is in shock because he just lost his son. How is my son? It's not looking good, honestly. It's not looking good. Right now, if your son dies, we're looking at a homicide, and everybody that's stonewalling is dragging themselves in. The dad is like, how's my son? He's got his head down. The uh, detective says, it's not looking good. Now, he didn't tell him his son's dead, even though he knew. Can I comment on this? Yeah, go ahead. So, his dad didn't realize that his son was already dead when they brought him to the hospital? I mean, I can see that, though, because it's not that I mean, you just your son. Yeah, he may be dead. But if you were on the ground, not breathing and I knew you were dead like three hours ago, I'd still bring you to the hospital. Oh, but uh, but there that's a long period of time, though, that to for him to be. Like, well, they they just found him. Oh, OK. Yeah, they found him like that. But what's so he it doesn't matter touch? if you were dead for 24 hours, I'd bring you there. You'd be fucking stiff as a board and all blue and shit. And I'm like. Can you throw her in the freezer? Oh, no, that was morbid. Can but you... I mean, but 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 you see where I'm saying, like, yeah, it's I see. Ca- like, there, there, but it's there's the father's no... love for the son. Yeah, but there's no checking of a pulse. Like, are they real? Do but they... these are how do they this... not think that he's not dead? He, yes. he didn't want to believe it, you know. Maybe and regular citizen, a he's a seventy-year-old he... man. Like, he's not going to check the pulse. He doesn't know what that is. Perhaps a little strange, though, that he's being questioned by the detectives. No, he's being questioned to find out what happened. Like, they think it's a gang doing this. What, you think the dad killed him? 
I don't know. Watch this video and see how distraught this father is. The detective just said, your son didn't make it, okay? Now watch the father's reaction. So he's clearly distraught. Yeah. Hey, I wouldn't say clearly. It's kind of blurry in the video. The dad was clearly distraught. The mom was also there and some other people, but no one was saying anything. It's not like they didn't know. They just weren't saying anything. They, they weren't being cooperative at all. So the detectives go and they bring the mom, Debbie, in. It's like, what happened? What happened here? Where did you find them? And she said, well, you know, we, we went to church at 9 p.m. And th that's the last that's the last thing I know. That's the last time I've I saw him. OK, so what the police do is they go to that church, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, they do a preliminary search and they find another guy that is also badly beaten. What? It's actually his brother. What? That all is almost dead. Where, they bring him his in. Wounds? I'm about to show you. First of all, 9 p.m. is late for mass time. Wait, was it a Catholic church? I don't want to call it mass if it's not mass. A service. 9 p.m. is a, is a late time for a service, mm -hmm. especially, in, I mean, New York, I can see them having later services. I think that, you know, when I was in college, we had like an 8 o'clock mass in Connecticut. Like, that's where we were in college. Why are you assuming this is Catholic? I, I'm not. Because your religion is better than everyone else's out there? No. You know, we got a lot babe. of Baptists that listen to the show, including one sitting right here. You're an atheist. No, she's an atheist. We going to heaven, Jen. She going to hell. Go to talkmore.com. This is the brother right here. Can you guys please comment for our listeners what you're seeing right now? Um, I'm seeing a young man with glasses, curly brown hair, who's got a lot of bruises. That's an arm. And mark. Yeah, you missed his back. Oh. He's got a lot of bruises and like marks on his back. Um, like. First, I thought it was back knee, but now I'm assuming it's probably not. Burns, cuts. Scrapes. Yeah, they look like almost like maybe he was drugged burns. somewhere. Was he dragged somewhere? So the brother also goes to the hospital. Now his name is Chris. He's about the same age, and that's when the story starts forming that this happened at a church at the Word of Life Church in New York. I like where this is going. I love this story. Holy shit. Let it. me show you this church right quick. This is the church is no longer in business, and a lot of people think it should be torn down. This is the church right Ooh, here. It looks like an insane asylum. It looks like an old <laughs> Catholic school. It's yeah, actually, it does. Uh, it's well, like the school I went to. It's actually a really old school for the town that was no longer being used. This is the WLCC, the Word of Life Christian Church, 3354 Oneida Street. Originally, it was a public school built in 1916. It's about two acres. It's a very large building. In yeah, fact, it is. In fact, I want to pull it up on Google Earth just so you guys can see it Do right now. Do people live there? Because that's a no, very No, no, no. It's church. condemned right now. 
And or did people live there at the time of the church? Uh, yes, I'll get to yeah. that in a minute. That's like at my old high school. The there used to be the nuns used to live in one of the wings before. So right there in the center, you guys see this is Oneida Street. This is in the town of Chadwick. So I'm I'm showing them Google Earth right now. See how big that church is? It goes all the way to the back. It's and a there's a that, that's a Catholic church right there that's separated between the bushes. Mm-hmm. So let me do the Google Earth so you guys can see how large this thing is. It's it's monstrous. It's huge. It's a school. It used to be a school, yeah. Now the I don't think it's as big as my school though, where I work now. It's smaller. The, the school had a gymnasium that became the church sanctuary. Mm-hmm. This is the church sanctuary right now. Was, so what 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 am I saying here? Was it a gymnasium or a gymnatorium? The brother Chris, who is still living but barely, he was beaten so bad that they actually did an exam on him too. And this is from what the examination said. The director of trauma at St. Elizabeth Hospital said he was called to the emergency room for a trauma patient on October 13th, 2015. It was Chris, who was tender virtually everywhere they touched him. His face was swollen, especially his nose, also his chest, genitals, and thighs. His back was severely swollen in black and blue, and there were areas of broken skin. During the time he was in the hospital, Chris had lost three to four units of blood through internal bleeding. The doctor testified that Chris suffered kidney damage, having lost about 50% of kidney function. He also had air outside his lung, and that is a very serious problem. Air was under the skin. It went up around his airways into his esophagus. If that air was just a little bit more and tracked up to his brain, he could have brain damage. The doctor testified he'd seen the type of muscle breakdown that Chris was experiencing in individuals with massive crush injury. As someone who'd been pinned under a car for hours. Pinned under a car. He He's likened this to someone being pinned under a car. Like, that, those are the bruises you guys saw. He's being pinned under a car. What the fuck? And Chris's kidney damage was so severe that it created air under the skin, something that could only happen from a significant amount of blunt trauma. Hmm. Air is so dangerous because we have talked about murders where people inject air pockets. Yeah. And in fact, I believe you recently told a reporter who interviewed us that that's how you would kill me. Look at his legs. <laughs> Look at Chris's legs. They the are brother. Very swollen. Very swollen. A very purple. This happened purple. one not, not even 24 hours ago, and it's already swollen that bad. Look at his right leg, how big it is compared to his left. This is like, who would do this? This happened at a church. A church. Okay. This is the church in service right now. Now, this is a small sanctuary. Okay. Not a lot of people. Not a lot of people. In fact, at the time of this murder, as I'll call it, there was 18 members in this church. Eight. Total? 18 members total. That's it. In the church. In the, the entire church. church. No, in the entire congregation. It only consisted of 18 people. 18 people. Wow. That is all the people that went to church in and, this big ass and building. And one is dead and one is also in the hospital. Exactly. So what was going on in the rest of the building? Did well, that's the, what I'm trying to get to. Well, did the, I, I, did the church rent out that entire building or were there rooms where were rented by other That's places? a really good question. At first, when they moved to this building, it was rented out. There was like a massage studio and a kickboxing studio. But as the church became more powerful, they scooted everyone out. And I'm going to get all into that, so don't worry. You mean 18 people scooted out other businesses? Well, it used to be at its peak 80, which is not a lot. Not enough for a whole school building. Now, Unless they were all living there. 
Before we go any further into this story, you saw the boy. You saw his genes. He was murdered, obviously. Uh, we don't know and how. And he, he was beaten to death by church members. In the penis? Because the, the other guy had also severe bruising in the genitalia. No, that's said. a very good question. Yes, he was beaten in the penis, but sort of. This is actually the murder weapon right Not here. That, that kind of beaten the this penis. This is the murder weapon. The exact murder weapon I'm showing you. <gasps> An electrical plug? Yeah. Do you see how it's split? And these uh, are pointed uh, in? They electrocuted his penis? No. They held the, the cord like a whip, like some kind of flogging device. You see how the metal prongs are bent? Yeah. And they whipped his penis over and over and over and over and over and Why? over again. Why? Because he was having With premarital sex? With this electrical sex? cord. You see the blood on it. You see how the thing is split because they hit it so hard. They were striking his penis with this electrical cord as hard as they could. If only you tacos could see my face right now. Go to talkmore.com to see this thing. why, though? I don't get it. You're about to get it. And you're about to wonder why Netflix hasn't made a goddamn movie about this shit. But before we go any further, we need to talk about... Rights to the story are owned by Talk Murder to me. Just kidding, they're not, but we'd love to be a part of it. Before we go any further, we need to talk about... The pastor. Oh. Oh. Oh, what was that other documentary you were watching recently? Killers? No, we're like... Seekers? The Finders? uh, No, it was something where, like, there was the cult and the the guy was a polygamous cult and, like, he drew, like, nudie tattoos cartoons remember and he was having sex with all these ladies nudie magazine day i don't know what you're talking about uh, you guys watch that without me i don't know it was good this is jerry Irwin right here he was born april 22nd oh, 1957 he... in pennsylvania i don't like him growing up jerry Irwin, his family would abuse the shit out of him like all these fucking people right and his father would call him names. You're a moron. You're never going to mount anything. He'd beat the shit out of him. That's not if you want nice. to read this. Now, before we go any further, I want to tell you the book that we're reading is called Without a Prayer. And it, this is a phenomenal book. I, this is one of the books that I cannot put down. It's by Susan Ashland. It's a phenomenal book. And it really dives into the mind of some religious fanatics. <laughs> Jen. He complained of getting hit over and over in unbridled rage rather than being dealt at a focused spanking for a discipline. His family, he relayed, showed little encouragement and even less affection. Jerry suffered low esteem and fear of rejection. Me too, bro. What is love and who loves me? Jerry spoke out loud, alone, on the way to get it done. He believed at that moment the road he was walking disappeared in front of him and he was weightless in a sky of not azure but rose. He saw God sitting on his throne with Jesus at his side and felt the presence of the Holy Spirit as he had the day he went before the altar as a child. The revelation changed his life. The revelation. Let me tell you a little bit about like Jerry. the book of Revelation? So he actually got married and his wife leaves him. And at that point, he was distraught. Okay, now this is before he had a church or whatever. He didn't know what God had in store for him. He had no idea. He was actually a drug addict and an alcoholic. His wife leaves him, and then he tries to kill himself. And that's when he writes this, quote, What is love and who loves me? He saw God 
sitting on his throne with Jesus at his side and felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As he had the day he went before the altar as a child. Amen. Can I hear it? The revelation had changed his life. Amen. Now his ex-wife, Robin, this is from the book. Robin thought Jerry was insane. He would stare at her just to make her crazy. He would talk to demons, amen, and paint weird stuff on the walls. Hallelujah. Robin had said he, <laughs> she'd left to protect the children. His wife leaves him. He resorts to heavy drugs and very heavy alcohol. Now, he is kind of a despondent. He's all over the nation. Going from this place to that place, just drunken. But then he has a revelation. He actually sees the Lord, our heavenly Savior, on the throne, and he speaks directly to Jerry. And at that moment on, his life has been changed, ladies and gentlemen. What did he say? He basically showed him the light. He showed him the path that he needs to take. And from that moment on, Jerry became a devout Christian, and he swore to himself that he would change the lives of many people. Did he? That was in May 1979 when he tried to kill himself. He actually became a preacher in 1990. Now, this really all started for Jerry when he was 11 years old. He was actually listening to a evangelist preacher, and he had no idea what this guy was saying, but he was preaching the Word of God, and he was sounding like this. And from that point on, Jerry knew that he was going to be destined for something greater. And then he had that setback with his wife, left him and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, the word of life church that you saw, that didn't start from that. That actually started from a very small Bible study. Oh, okay. it was actually located in Richfield Springs, New York. Not more than 10 people. They would meet up at people's houses and he'd preach the word of God. Jesus, yes, sir, he would. He'd preach it. This whole thing with him preaching started as a uh, Bible study group, and they didn't have any money. He was just, you know, grassroots type of preacher. And eventually they moved. They had to keep moving bigger and bigger places as the congregation grew. What were his, what was his like core fundamental value or differentiator from another church? The hmm. differentiator, and I'm about to talk about that, was he, Jerry Irwin. God bless his soul, had a direct line to God, the Savior. Oh, wow. God talked to him directly through mental telepathy, and he told him exactly what he wanted. Praise the Lord. Kind of like that three o'clock phone call, like the presidents get that one line. that's like, this is a national state of emergency. Like one of those phones, telepathy. Direct line. Now, the thing about Jerry Irwin is he was a control freak. He was... A straight tyrant. This is from this is an actual quote from him on August 18th, 1996. He says, some of you still think that your mind is your own to think whatever you want to think whenever you want to think it. And you don't have a right. That's just the seed of sin that will lead eventually to death. Seed of sin. Remember, remember, I read that Hebrew passage. And what did that say? That said. You better submit to the higher authority that is your church supreme leaders. Yep. And they use that. That's why I read that quote. I know, he told his flock, drawing out the second word, making it seconds long. And he waited before emphasizing the next line. I do. The rest was a continuous thought. I know how you live in your house. And I don't even have to call you. 
Sometimes it's a plague for me, and sometimes it's a curse for me, but I know how you live. His was a mostly monotone voice, until the jolting hallelujah that made babies cry. He sprinkled his sermons with, are you hearing me? And when he prayed, his body moved a lot, his head bobbing. He would close his eyes just enough so his lashes acted as drapes, and his eyelids would flutter rapidly, as though receiving a divine message. His body would twitch like muscle spasms all over. He would clench his teeth, causing his jawline muscle to swell and release, swell and release. All right, so Jerry Irwin had a direct line to God. And this is from Bruce, the father. This will explain exactly what I mean. So at one point, and I'm going to get to this later, but Bruce, his wife had left him. Not his current wife, but Mm. his wife before that. Quote, it was a very low point, and I had stopped attending the local Methodist Presbyterian church. It was too depressing to go without my wife and baby girl. I was just in the living room with some friends, Bruce recalled. Jerry Irwin said something to me. Now, I forgot the specifics regarding the situation, which there was no way for him to know. So it got my attention as to, hey, Maybe God is showing him things. So he basically came out to Bruce, the father of Luke, the mm-hmm. one that was murdered, right. and said, I know this about you. I j- what do you mean? I just met you. What, whoa, what'd you say? That's, that's accurate. That's exactly what I'm going through. And mm-hmm. I just met you. There's no other way, but you have a direct line to God. You're not so, using generalized statements or anything. You just know exactly what's right, going through my right. head. Like a clairvoyant would do? Like a palm reader or he says, crystal ball person? He says, he says, quote, I was very impressed with Jerry Irwin's preaching and teaching. He stuck to the Bible, pointed out what was plainly written, and also noted things which sometimes people assume but which are not written. Many of the messages were tough. He started preaching years ago about having our thoughts under control, specifically under God's control, being renewed in the spirit of the mind. Now, so now you know the uniqueness of Brother Jerry. He's a prophet. Prophets have this unique mm. ability to get messages directly from God. Got it. Right. You understand that, right? Yes. So my He's... favorite prophet nowadays is that Mexican preacher that... Jesus. Jesus, that he is like the second coming of Christ. I don't know Jesus. But he makes a lot of money, so he's like my fucking man. Jesus Christ <laughs> is his name. I'm not doing this any justice, but this is basically how his preaching style was. It was very confrontational. You're going to go to hell, boy. You stupid idiot. What a stupid thing for you to do. How stupid can you be anyways? What? Now, that's actual audio? That's actual audio from the preacher, Jerry Irwin. So he's um, he's finding points to connect with the people by making generalized statements, saying, like, you're going through a, the toughest time you've ever been to, whatever, making generalized statements and building our trust. And then he's able to break them down. But at the same time, that actual audio kind of was taken out of context. So I wonder what he was talking about. But you still like, was that something he was talking to the crowd? Like, was that during a sermon? Like, you don't talk to your people that way. How do you connect with people when you're insulting them? Whenever you obviously don't go to the word of life. He's already been brainwashing them. So like, you you know, I I don't care. I don't care. Or when you're a cult leader, it doesn't. You've already built that trust, and then you can make them feel as shitty about themselves as they want. Well, 
fuck that. Because when someone insults me like that, I just insult them right back or just keep it in my head but say it to myself. Well, you haven't been brainwashed them. yet. Okay, let me talk about the Word of Life Christian Church. This is what other people saw. Now, Nicole said earlier it's a cult. And I'm going to break to you, it's definitely a cult. 100% a cult. The gym of the old school was converted into a sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And with every cult... Comes Kool-Aid. No, comes the defectors. There's always going to be oh. defectors. And what does Scientology do if there's a defector? Oh, man. They silence them. They silence so them. Good. They or blackmail them. They make them. They discredit them. They do whatever like the fuck Leah they have Remini. to do. And that's exactly what Jerry Irwin and his flock would do. Former member of a secretive church is opening up this morning about the 13 years he spent there. The Word of Life Christian Church is now at the center of a murder investigation. Oh. All right. This is the uh, church or cult from CBS this morning. Two brothers were beaten last month during what the police describe as a so-called counseling session. The church is a fundamentalist Christian church not affiliated with any larger group. Many members... I just want to put a uh, disclaimer out there that during my counseling sessions, you don't, I don't beat people. Like, you can't beat people. That's not okay during a counseling session. Well, it does say that in the Bible, which we'll get to. Well, you you should beat people. You can't touch people that you counsel. That's, that's rule number one. Well, Well, they're not licensed counselors. Were they afraid to leave? Some people were. Yeah. If you're not under God's will, then you're going to go to hell. You must have been terrified at that point. You knew what was going to happen. Yeah, the year and a half that I lived there, I went through complete hell. How often would it happen? When I didn't pass the test or when I didn't get my homework done on time or... Weekly? Oh, yeah. Daily. The kind of control that you describe that these people had over the church members, it, it, it sounds to me like a cult. No, it is. It is a cult. When did you realize that's what it was? Well, see, I was young, and I thought that was normal. It took me many, many years to get out of that mindset. The cult's got to make money. You saw that big-ass building. True. So they're making money from their 80 members. Now, as you'll see, his preaching style was pretty shitty for a cult leader because he was basically making fun of people and— you know, beating the shit out of people. So a lot of people left. So a lot of the money left. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just interested. So 80 people to 18, 80 people to 18. That's a loss of, of 62 people. But, but how much money were these members supposed to, to, to pay if they were living there? Like, would they give their entire salary? Yeah, they would salary? give their entire salary. They were, these members were living there. If it's their rent. They, they would do everything for this church. And as you're going to see, it's for the grace of God and the hot tub that was upstairs because the third floor was actually a apartment for Jerry Irwin and his family. Penthouse. Um, filled with, <laughs> and it had his own basketball court. And it had a spa and everything else. Wow. But the, and these members were struggling. In fact, Bruce, the the awesome dad that let his son get the shit beat out of him. Yeah. He was trading in his food stamps every every month wow. to the church. Now, the church also had a puppy mill. The no. second floor was full of puppies. Well, I mean, that's a dream, but puppy mills are terrible, terrible things. No one could delineate when the total shutoff occurred or figure out what prompted it. Tara believed it might have happened when she called animal control after hearing dogs barking all hours of the day and night. She discovered the church was running a puppy mill. They had 
hundreds of dogs in there. They would drive their van outside the gate and park it there, and then people would come. And I realized they're selling dogs, she later recalled. They're selling dogs. They have a puppy mill that's running. Now, the members would take care of the puppy mill. Not only that, they were selling exotic birds. Hmm. I mean, I'm talking about Amazon parrots, African gray parrots, and uh, many other chickatees or whatever the fuck. What about tigers? They were also doing penny stocks. These guys were fucking using your ties. stocks. These guys were tithing it up, man. What I'm really trying to get across to you guys with this story is that the members that stuck around Stuck around for one reason only. It's because this guy, Jerry Irwin, had a direct line to the Lord and Savior himself. So if they defect and they go to another church, they're going to lose that. They're going to lose that one-on-one communication. So what does that mean when someone has one-on-one communication with the the divine? It's like like when you're young and your parents are going to call Santa Claus when you're being bad. That means, hey. Or the Easter Bunny. That means, hey, okay, my family, we need somewhere to live, says Jerry Irwin. God, God just sent a message down to my head that said, y'all need to build me a house on the third floor with a spa and a basketball court and all this stuff. And y'all ain't giving much. Y'all need to up that tithe a little bit because God is telling me right now that y'all ain't giving enough and we can't keep this thing going. God's telling them that and people don't want to go to hell so they're going to listen to him because they're basically listening to God. Well, how did he get people involved in the first place? I mean, like some people are born into their faith, but I, I'm curious and I'm not questioning you. I'm just asking a question. I think it's just any question. How does anyone wind up in a cult? Like they're right. looking for something and the like cult where, fills Like how does this guy convince? All right. So like, let's say, for example, he goes to a bar and he's talking to you who's six whiskey sours deep and says, hey. I have a direct line to God. Is that how it starts? Or does he talk to someone who's like, like, how does he find these people? I think there's, you gotta ease into it. Like, it's a, like you don't show all your crazy all at once. You can't tell people to drink the Kool-Aid and die right away. There's certain... Like, if you ease them into it. There's certain parameters of a cult. And there's a book by a cult expert. His name is Rick Allen Ross. I just dived in a little bit. One of the most important things is someone in a cult will never say they're in a cult right, right. so they're gonna they're gonna First look at everyone club. else and even though your mom or your dad or your brother and sister is like dude you're in a cult as soon as they say that your defenses your walls are going to go up and you're going to explain everything why it is not a cult so the the only way to get someone out of a cult and this is very important is approach the subject based on another cult so let's say you're in a cult jen okay and you won't admit it. You're like, I'm not in a cult. This isn't a cult. This is whatever. Multi-level marketing. I don't know. I'm going to come up to you and I'm going to say, look at these guys. Look at these Jim Jones guys. How crazy is that? Look at this cult, right? Look what they do. This is crazy. And then you're going to agree. Yeah, that's a fucking cult. And then you're going to start making similarities. Wait, they do what I do. The only way to get you to break that mindset is if your walls are not up, your defensive mechanisms, as soon as you say someone's in a cult, those walls go up. Right. And then you just have all these automatic responses. No, it's not a cult because this, that, this, blah, blah, blah. A lot of justification. But if you just go in smoothly 
and compare it without them noticing to another cult and they see the similarities, then they'll realize it. It's kind of like what that he says. episode of The Office where Does that make Mike, sense or not? Yeah, where Michael is like trying to get everyone involved in like, he's like, oh, I met this guy who's trying to sell cars and blah, blah, blah. And he's like explaining it. And Jim says to him, like, how is this not a mid-level marketing pyramid scheme? He's like, and Michael's like, no, it's not a pyramid scheme. It's this person has all these people. And then Jim walks up to the board and like literally draws a pyramid <laughs> around it. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of The Office lately during my quarantine. Let me tell you what others saw about this building. Number one, at first, when they came into the community, they were open. Everyone come in. We're brand new here. All is welcome. But eventually, it started getting more seclusive. Okay, more so, controlled. So he was selecting the people based on certain qualities? Because people on the outside would know it's a cult. Or would... The members try to convince their friends, and that's how it went. Or was the leader selecting the type of people that he wanted? There were German shepherds on a platform off the third story and dogs on the roof that no one could see, only hear. Fireworks exploded from the roof at times, and there were bonfires on the asphalt shingles. One produced an odor so foul it made neighbors sick. Children could be seen in the parking lot walking in a line. Cars pulled into the church at the same time each night, well after dark. And there was a bizarre chanting. It wasn't language, but noises. Weird noises. And there was an inexplicable, deafening whoosh, like a jet, and flames were involved. That's from the book Without a Prayer. Here's a little bit about what other people saw. The outside neighbors. Men in black trench coats walking the grounds. The main door padlocked with a heavy gate. You saw the building. Mm -hmm. It has a main door. Mm -hmm. There's no gate around the front. Right. No. It's an old school. Right. But you walk up to the door, as many people do, and they try to get in, but it's a heavy padlock, heavy chain. Mm. No one can get in. Right. The only way in is through the around the back to the side, through a very through a heavily locked gate that someone has to come out and open for you. When they first moved in there, they were really, you know, everyone come in, let's be a community, but it started getting weirder and weirder. The cars that did make it into the gate started coming later and later at night. At one point, cars were entering the building through what locals thought was an underground garage. Hmm. So basically, they'd pull up this thing and the cars would go into the building. Okay, that's shady. And then someone would immediately come out, look around. He's wearing all black. <laughs> no one see me. I mean, it's like two in the morning. And he locked the gate and he'd scurry back inside. Whoa. That's not sketchy. Do they prove that underground car thing or no? They were parking cars in the church, but I don't think there was an underground. Because oh. I looked at the pictures. I don't think it was underground. But I've kind of always wanted an underground garage, kind of like Batman, you know, like mm. when you drive onto the platform and then it goes like an elevator down and then like you can go into the underground. Now, here's the thing. This became outrageous and it was more of a doomsday cult. This is a cult. 100,000% this is a cult. This is not a cult. But this okay? is not the way that you run a cult. This is you, not the you cult. You don't start with 80 members and get it's down to 18 and then God. kill two of them. I mean, there's not a way to there's not a way to do it. But this is a doomsday cult and they did have a bunker filled with heavy ammunition. Oh. Investigator Petrika later described one of WLCC's best kept secrets. There are barriers down there and what they did was actually cut holes in these walls, and there was 50 to 75-yard shooting range down underground. 
they'd likely compromise the building's foundation to create it. Authorities later discovered in Dan's writings his detailed visions of an apocalypse. Utica was going to burn down and everyone would go to church to be saved. Dan's beliefs were repeated in audio recordings. The Irwins recorded even their casual dinner conversations. Their penchant for documentation would be their biggest downfall. They recorded everything. In fact, Jerry Irwin was such a amazing guy that he had a cameraman to record 24 hours a day everything that went on. Mm, wow, like that was dumb. I'm going to get to this later, but he also had two boys and a girl, but the two boys. He had two boys, Dan and Joe Irwin. Now, these guys were big, okay, and they're still big. They're still alive, but... They were six, I don't know, five and like 275 pounds. They were the bodyguard. This is him right here. You see how big he is? These are the bodyguards. That's his sons. That's Jerry's sons. And this is the daughter right here. Her name is Tiffany. She's also involved. And I'm going to get a lot into her in a second. Now, let me tell you what Jerry Irwin taught in his congregation. Number one, it was non-denominational. Completely. It was their own thing. They preached Old Testament fire and brimstone. And if you do this, you're going to hell in a handbasket. Men, take control of your wives. That's number one. You better take control of them. You are the master. I thought you said this wasn't part of that. You are the master of the destiny. She is just someone to clean the kitchen and to service you at any time that you need it. Mm -hmm. That is what number one is. There's a reason you picked this one. You don't want me to clean a kitchen. Some of you I've watched over the years and you're so arrogant, he told them once. You're totally off the wall. You're half dead in your thinking because you're filled with the devil of strife and arrogance and pride. And this is a mistake I've made because, to be honest with you, in the past, some of you just weren't worth my time and my feelings. And that was wrong. But I just let you do your arrogant, self-righteous, evil things. Now, before we go any further, I want to tell you that this isn't like you go to church, Jen, one day a week, two days a week. This is church every day, every day for 10 hours a day. You're reading the scripture. You go home. You don't watch TV. There is no TV. There's no bachelor. There's no Lion King or whatever or lying tiger, tiger King. King. There's none of that shit. It's the Bible. It's scripture. It's learning. Not even learning. Memorizing the whole book of Psalms. The entire book, Jen. Every verse. And then studying what you learned for 12 hours a day. That's what these people did. These are the people that are going to heaven, mind you. Gotcha. Now, everyone is filled with the devil. You got to believe that. If you're in this church, everyone, including you, is filled with the devil. Mm. Defectors, if you if you leave this church, I mean, you're going to hell. That's it for you. You're done. Like others, Dwight gave 10% of his gross income to the church each week, though Jerry and Tracy said it would be better if he gave more. This put the Evans in financial ruin. Though they owned their home, they ran up so much debt paying the church that they were forced to take out a mortgage. After two years, Dwight and his family left. Jerry and Tracy told him they were going to hell. They were shunned by the church members. Their children cut off from their funds. They burned all our children's records, Dwight later told police, and my wife's teaching certificate. There are so many reasons not to skip breakfast. So many savory, mouth-watering, tasty, delicious beyond all belief reasons. Actually, that last one was pretty convincing. 
Stop by for a McDonald's breakfast. Mix and match a sausage biscuit, sausage McMuffin, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Any two for just two bucks. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. There are so many reasons not to skip breakfast. So many savory, mouth-watering, tasty, delicious beyond all belief reasons. Actually, that last one was pretty convincing. Stop by for a McDonald's breakfast. Mix and match a sausage biscuit, sausage McMuffin, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Any two for just two bucks. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. He would also teach to beat your children. He would say, blows that wound, cleanse away evil. Strokes may clean the innermost parts. Some men must be beaten black and blue or have very severe correction. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far. If your kids do wrong and you don't spank them, then God says that you hate them. Hmm. Did you know that? That's the word of God. Is God a liar? Are you a liar? To spank the children was to obey God. You'll call them names. You'll tell them they're no good. Are you hearing me, congregation? Instead of taking that stick and just spanking them when they need it and obeying the scriptures that drive the equity far from them. This guy's a quack. So I'm assuming... It, he kind of at first started with like it's okay for husbands to beat their wives and like parents to beat their children. And then he started preaching that's what you should be doing. He started getting really, really paranoid well, about everything, just like any cult leader. And they fucking right. started getting security cameras and arsenals in the fucking place. Another interesting aspect about a cult is let's say you want to get married, Nicole. Mm-hmm. You're in a cult and I'm not. Mm-hmm. That ain't going to fucking happen. You know why? Right. Because I can influence you to be leave to the cult. defect. Right. And then you can influence a bunch of other people to defect. Huh. So what a cult leader is going to do is break us up and then assign you to marry someone else inside of the cult. So for, they and, wouldn't first try to, like, get you into the cult before breaking you up. He would automatically break you up. He even made certain members divorce and marry other members, like I said before. Let me tell you about one example. This is Helen. Little sweet Helen. She was nothing but a 19-year-old at the time. Abruptly, Jerry grabbed a phone book and stood, leaned into her face, and told her in a smooth and icy voice, You're going to look in the phone book for a lawyer to help Albert. With his divorce, and he handed her the phone and instructed her to call Albert and find out how his divorce was progressing. Helen learned from God through Jerry that it was not gospel for her to join the military. Jerry said God would remove his protection of her. Helen withdrew her enlistment in the Air Force. Then came another blow. God has a man for you in the church, Jerry told her. Eventually, Helen was handed a 200-page do-it-yourself divorce packet to fill out with the understanding that she would be Albert's new wife. He made one of the women members divorce her husband that's outside of this cult. And he made this girl, Helen, 19-year-old, file the divorce and do all the paperwork. And then she wanted to join the military, make some of herself. Then he's like, no, God is telling me a divine message. You will divorce this man and his wife, and then you will take his hand in marriage and, of course, take care of his kids. And if you 
go to the military, we he will remove his protection from yeah. you. So you see how like ridiculous this is. <laughs> she did it. She married this man. She made him get a divorce. She filed everything. This, this guy didn't even want to divorce his wife. He had no reason to divorce his wife. But the the God, divine, Holy Spirit in heaven told Jerry through his direct line that it is his will for this woman to divorce her husband, who is outside of the cult, and marry a member who is inside of the cult. <laughs> You see what the fuck? This is crazy. And they all did it. <laughs> and they all just went and along they with did it. it. They went along with it. I mean, it's not that crazy. They're just stupid. <laughs> Holy shit. They're just stupid. They'd also monitor the internet use from the church library. Mm. TV was the fucking devil. Demons all up inside that getting into your vagina. Okay. If you watch TV, you didn't go on the internet at home. Because there's Pornhub, there's X Hamster, there's X Videos, there's Red Tube. We get Red it. Tube. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, you know, what the fuck? Red Tube. <laughs> what the fuck? I need to go through your search history. No, you don't. <laughs> what is Red Tube? I don't know. I... <laughs> I'm just it's the I, same thing as Pornhub. <laughs> you cannot associate with other members. There's no television. Television has demons and they'll get inside of your vagina. Really? Yes. Oh, this wow. is this is a quote from I wasn't sure if that was just you saying that. This is what he said in the service October 6, 1996. Now keep in mind, I'm gonna read this quote from quote, but this guy don't make any damn sense. He's probably drunk at the time. But this is what he says. I'm sure no this is about TV. I'm sure nobody here does, but when you were in the world, you did. You let your children turn on these television shows where you got these demons. We let our kids watch these ninja mutants or whatever. How many of you know what the ninja were? They were paid assassins, you know. They would ruthlessly and cold-heartedly murder people. But now there are heroes. A ninja was nothing more than an assassin, a paid killer. And that's so many other things. I'm sure there's a multitude of new programs on that teach your kids demonology and witchcraft and all those evils. And then kids come to church and they have this stupid ass look on their face. This is boring. This is boring. Well, I tell you what. You just keep it up for a few more years. And you'll get straight into hell. And you won't be bored for one god dang second. They'll keep you on their toes, they will. The very ones that taught you all those things through these cartoons will be there to teach you some more. Wow, you're really good at that. <laughs> That's Pastor, Pastor Jerry John. Irwin. But, the fucking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> but here's my thing. <laughs> fucking idiot. Now, the parishioners were required to do a few things. Number one, they'd have to work day in and day out at improving the church. One of the things about a cult is you got to keep their minds occupied. You can't be letting them go out there and read Nietzsche. Right. You know? Keep them busy. Or Plato. Nobody reads that shit. 
Nope. You can't have them go on Facebook and stuff. You got to keep their mind occupied. You got to give them work to do. They're basically slaves. Right. So the whole time, if you're not reading the scripture of the Lord, you're in the church parking lot edging the weeds. You're cutting the grass. You're stacking tiles. A cult's all about control. That's all a cult is, is how I can control you. Okay. If you're fucking rich, Nicole, Mm -hmm. and the cult leader is poor, which these guys were getting poor pretty soon, then that's a problem. So I need to keep you financially broke so you're dependent on me. Right. So here's how I do that. This is from the book Without a Prayer. Like everyone else assigned jobs, which was everyone over the age of 13, Bruce received no pay for his work. Keeping families in poverty was one of the ways Jerry maintained control. So would they not have jobs? They would just devote their entire lives to this institution? Uh, Eventually, yeah. Now, Bruce, the father of Lucas, the one that was murdered, was a teacher. And he had a master's degree in plant and soil Uh, science. He's a very smart dude. So he was probably an ag teacher, but also like if you work in a... But eventually, when all your devotion time becomes to the church, you stop showing up for your classes. Right. You know what I'm saying? And everything becomes to the church. And then eventually, you're giving your food stamps, because now you're on fucking food stamps with a master's degree, to the church. And the church, basically Jerry and his wife and his amazing family are spending it on fucking... All kinds of shit. They're going to Italy and all this shit, spending hundreds of dollars on seafood dinners and all this shit. And you're giving your fucking family's food stamps away because this asshole has a direct line to God. And if you don't give everything you have, then you're going to hell. The financials was a huge thing that Jerry Irwin preached because he's got to fund his lifestyle. The next thing was masturbation and sexual thoughts. The devil himself, if you think, Jen, if you have a dream of this hot guy coming in your bed, you know, maybe Patrick Swayze coming in there and taking off his shirt with his ripped abs. I mean, you don't need to make fun of the fact that I have seen a ghost before, but that go on. Is the, that is a demon having sex with you. Horseplay. They consider horseplay an act of molestation. A child sitting on another member's lap, a tapping on the shoulder. Hey, can I get your attention? Sometimes you just looking at someone a certain way is considered sexual perversion and a sin. You know, what's interesting is that, like, I feel like a lot of cults that we have, you know, are popular, encourage a lot of sex. I know. And this, this one, one is this, like, this is the cult you don't want to start. Yeah, this one is like this is the cult that doesn't make any money. Yeah, for real, sucks. No wonder their attendance plummeted from eighty to eighteen. That's one way to do it: discourage sex. Don't even talk about masturbation. You wank that winker, or you wink that wanker. Okay, that is the devil taking control. All right. And not only that, that's Satan taking control of all of his members. The uh, Word of Life Church. All the members and bodies, they're getting jerked off by the devil. That's what he says. And it's controlling through witchcraft. Now, I'm reading straight from his words. I'm telling you that right now. Wow. Is this church, the philosophy, and I'm talking about the philosophy of all day long. It's not like an hour and a half sermon. It's like, fuck, can we go get lunch? It's like six, seven hours of him 
barking at you, telling you you're stupid. Then late, you're hard getting labor. to hell, saying the devil's jerking you off, and then hard labor, and then you got to give your food stamps. That's what this church is. It's fucking awful. Jerry eventually became more erratic. You guys like this? How? Right? How can he get more erratic than he already is? Well, he starts whipping people with in their penis, apparently. He started accusing members, now only 80 members at the peak, members of his own congregation for sleeping with his wife, his wife Tracy, even though they weren't. He was just paranoid as shit, and he's going downhill. Well, I mean, like... He started installing other gates around the church, locking all the doors, security cameras, not allowing people to socialize with anyone outside of the church. Maybe instead of, like condemning his entire parish for sleeping with his wife tracy maybe he should have a conversation with his wife tracy about sleeping with the members of his church let me ask you a question what do you think happened to this boy this innocent 19 year old lucas leonard like what what do you think jerry did to him um i don't know what jerry did to him but it probably had something to do with him being a teenager being in puberty and like well no 19 he was a little past puberty but like i don't know maybe making a glance at tracy in 2012 jerry started having problems he was he's a big guy he's diabetic he's obese he treats his body like shit i feel you jerry i feel you but here's the thing if you're ill jen or nicole if you're ill like with corona you don't have corona you don't have the flu that's a fucking demon that's Mm -hmm. a demon i need to cat you no you need to Focus on your life and you need, I need to figure to get, out how to get that demon out wait, of you. Do I need so to get an exorcism? If you're ill or you're sick in any way, you have a demon inside of you and it's because you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. Mm. And you invited in demons inside you of your out? holy temple. John, you're not supposed to know that. This is my own personal problem. <sighs> you invited those demons into your own personal temple and you allow this to happen. But wait, what the fuck? Jerry... The preacher is now having these problems, the medical problems. He's but sick. he didn't invite That's that demon. Weird. Someone else invited it in on his, their behalf. That's weird. So in 2014, Jerry suffers a stroke. And it's a very fatal stroke, if you will. He wasn't dead yet, but he was dying. Mm-hmm. He had a, a litany of health problems. He, was, he had dia- diabetes. He was suffering. You know, he had a stroke. He had all these problems. He was on his deathbed, basically. So the church started noticing for about a few months that he wouldn't show up. And as I'm going to tell you. To his own service? To his own service. In fact, I'm going to tell you who replaced him was his daughter, Tiffany. She becomes the new Jerry. Not his sons? Well, I'm going to tell you. No, the sons were ship. They're all shitbags, but. The sons were just potheads and fucking drunks. Well, I Tiffany mean, was, and I'm going to get this in a minute. Tiffany was the, the chosen one, if you will. In 2014, he suffers a massive stroke. It almost kills him. So Tracy, his wife, gets the congregation all riled up. I need money. We need money to save this man. Now, eventually, they were trying to hide it for a while, but eventually everyone knows only 80 people. It's like obvious. So they spent $30,000 on medical treatment, and they did all kinds of shit. 
alternative medicines, anything they can think of. In fact, they spent a lot of money buying this crazy device. It, what it's called is, and I'll try to get this right, a hyperbaric oxygen chamber. I knew chamber. you were say that. It's the same one I got. The same model? <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the older model. All right, let me, let me do a disclaimer here. Jerry, the, the church buys him a hyperbaric oxygen chamber. They spend a lot of money on it. I actually have the exact same chamber in the fucking closet, but I have the newer model. So the book talks about how fucking crazy it is and all this shit. It works. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) We do have the brain scans to prove it. He suffers a stroke. They buy him a hyperbaric oxygen chamber. And yeah, it's the same model I got. But what? You want to say something about it? No. And he dies inside of it. Oh, shit. <laughs> Here, read this. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. <laughs> she well, told me that Jerry didn't die in bed, that he died in the hyperbaric chamber, Beverly later alleged. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, I woke up and the alarm had gone off oh, in the hyperbaric shit. chamber. Tracy, the wife. Okay. Mm-hmm sees her her dead pastor husband in this hyperbaric oxygen chamber. (laughs) But how did he die in the chamber, John? the sons, well, he died from a stroke and all kinds of complications. No, 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 but he died. He He just died. He He, had the stroke in the chamber? He just happened to die in the chamber. I mean, he was dying anyway. He was like literally on his way down. He was having, I mean, this is a, he's obese at this point with heart problems and everything else. Did the chamber malfunction? No, the chamber didn't malfunction. It's just he died in there just all of a sudden. Okay. I feel like here's the crazy thing. Instead of calling anyone, Anyone, like anyone would do, I don't know, the fucking police, the paramedics, the fucking just dialing 911. Now, I remember they're in New York in the school of, in the Word of Life Church. Tracy and her two big ass sons dragged this hyperbaric oxygen chamber and put it in that van that you saw. <laughs> and they decided to drive to Missouri <laughs> to visit this guy. He's a faith healer called Mel Bond is a faith healer and Jesus Christ he heals people and she thought that he could raise Jerry from the dead no <laughs> so they drive wait, wait, wait. they I, drive I, I, 18 hours to Missouri 18 hours no. to Missouri with Jerry dead inside a hyperbaric oxygen chamber in the van what, with their the, small children what, in the, the backseat. Was the oxygen still pumping? They keep the oxygen going? No. no Here's the, thing. the wife takes her dead husband inside of this hyperbaric oxygen chamber, drives 18 hours with her two small children in the back of the van with their dead father, 18 hours to a guy... That's a total fucking quack I'm about to show you so he could raise them from the dead. Do you understand what you're doing to your children? Asked Beverly in disbelief. Joe was just 19. Your children have their father dead at their feet. They're traveling across the country. I cannot help you. When you get here, you have to call the police. 
This is Mel Bond. This video was posted a few days ago. It's called Coronavirus Cure. Oh, please tell me. I've been waiting two weeks for this. <laughs> oh, shit. I bet this is a hyperbaric Dear friends, oxygen. Dear I want friends. to encourage you to know the word salvation in Genesis salvation. to Revelation also means safety, deliverance, redeem from all earthly ill. God tells us in his word to stand still, relax, and see, experience the salvation of God. What? Well, that's true. I do that's feel better after taking a nap. That's a coronavirus right there, guys. If I, you have coronavirus and you're dying and you're getting really fucked up and and about 200,000 members, about 200,000 people in the United States are about to die, you could just go to melbond.com and he so, could just fucking So that's the guy stupid. they took him to. Did Jesus it work, Christ. John? Did it Did work? Did it work? No, it didn't work. In <laughs> fact, this asshole... Turned them away as soon as they got there. So they had to drive 18 hours back to New York <laughs> with why a dead he, body why in the he car. Him away? <laughs> because he he's a he... fucking quack, too. He's like, I can't raise people from the dead. I'm just fucking making this shit up as I go along. In fact, here, Nicole, you have scoliosis. It's bad. I Sometimes do. your back hurts so bad. That's you true. spend all this stuff on these, these, uh, prosthetics and all this shit you spend all this money on that you wasting your money you don't need to you just got to go to mel bond come on mel mel bond and he can make your back straighter than an arrow genesis and my osteogenesis is infected i'm in constant pain all the time you're in constant pain how long how long have you been your whole life and they get scoliosis yes and the osteogenesis is infected it's a bone disease my bones are weaker okay okay my gift give me my gift i want money i want wealth i want success i want a perfect back i want a model wife well i'm gonna give it to you tonight name i just command that force to leave that's why i'm calling leave now i command spinal look at the woman sitting next to her <laughs> spinal call I command them demons to leave. Do something that was, that was difficult to do before. Lots of things. Go get more. Touch your toes with your hands. You can't touch your toes. You can't now. No, yeah. <laughs> oh my God! Hallelujah! She touched her toes. Oh my God! Oh, the Lord has. The Lord has straightened her back. You guys witnessed it here. Let me pass around that collection plate and y'all can put in your money right here. We're going to raise him from the dead, said Tracy. <laughs> you must bring him back. <laughs> no, I'm going to do it. I'm 30 minutes away from Mel Bond right now. One of the members goes to the store and buys a bunch of bread because... Because the, of the coronavirus? The entire congregation is about to pray. And as soon as the minister resurrects Jerry, the pastor, they are going to receive communion and they're going to praise God. So they're praying for three days. The 80 people there, they're praying for three days straight. They're not even eating anything. Now rejoice because Tracy texts her friend Beverly and says, I see a tear coming from my husband's eye. So he was living after being dead. He, he actually came back to life because of the prayer. Are you sure that's not just condensation from the oxygen chamber? Then Beverly, who used to be a, a nurse, said, no, I'm sorry, darling. That's just decomposition. 
now that Jerry's dead, the daughter takes over at 27 years old. Now, she's been primed from birth to do this. She takes over at 27 and she goes to prison at 29. So this thing goes downhill pretty <laughs> fucking quick. <laughs> she, she takes over at 27 and she's in jail by 29. I love it. She's 27. Her birthday's the 20. The next day she turns 28 and she has it for a year. While spending years praying for her husband, Tiffany also prayed that God would remove her fear of men. She believed men existed to take advantage of her, that every single male who came into contact with her was entertaining bad thoughts. The messages were coming from Satan. She heard voices, loud raspy whispers that she assumed were men having immoral thoughts about her. She often heard voices. All right. She has a huge fear of men. Now, that was taught by her daddy. Understandable. Taught her everything that she knows. She believed that everyone in the congregation just wanted to have sex with her, take advantage of her, do things to her. She preached themes of rebellion, witchcraft, sexual perversion, and of course, church finances. (laughs) Donate here. (laughs) She said, quote, thank you, God, for all the demons you send to the church and all those bound by the devil so that they may listen to our word. Now, she also has a direct line to God mm. because that's just convenient, right? Of course. Of so, course. It's passed down. Genetically. Yeah, it's yeah. passed down. <laughs> the telephone has been bequeathed to her. <laughs> I have also seen Jesus. He talks to me. He tells me things I could never know about situations and people. That is a pastor, Tiffany Irwin. I'm not going to get into the background because we've been here so long. We're going to skip straight to the counseling session that brought us here in the first place. Mm, Okay. So just take my word for it. They had a shitty ass childhood living in a shithole. Because they're brought up in the church. They're brought up in the church. So he was a little rebellious. But let's talk about the counseling session. I'm moving forward. I'm skipping a lot of stuff. Luke calls Tiffany... Or excuse me, I didn't. I didn't mean to say Luke. I meant to say Satan. Oh, AKA Luke. Ah, causes Tiffany to have orgasms in her sleep. Oh, oh. because she has the hots for him. Because he's the devil. Right. It was approaching the spring of 2012 when Tiffany experienced delusions of Luke as demon possessed, trying to ilf- infiltrate her dreams with sexual deviance in a playground of witchery. He was 16. She was 26. After a long night in which she believed she had brought a dead newborn puppy back to life, (laughs) Tiffany laid down to sleep and had visions of Luke with a whip and a desire to hurt someone. In her diary, she recalled the pleasant, lustful thoughts of the boy permeating her half-awake state, causing cramping pain and a discharge, indicating an orgasm or a wet dream. The temptation crept up over and over again. She fought it. Tiffany apologized to Jesus in case she'd given in. She wasn't sure and promised that she would never sleep again rather than sin. She blamed the occurrences on Luke's sorcery. Okay, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So it's his fault that she's a pervert and dreams about him? Well, she's the pastor, okay? Yeah, it's not. none of this is her fault, obviously. Yeah. She's got the direct line of God. You think God's going to make her have wet dreams, Jen? (laughs) Fuck no. That's the devil sneaking in. Now, before we get into the counseling session, I need to bring something up. 
Luke and Chris, they're brothers. They mm-hmm. had a stepsister named Sarah. She had two young children, and she accused Luke and Chris of molesting the children. Oh. So you're going to hear that in the counseling session. However, those kids were completely examined, no trauma whatsoever. Okay. This was all just a fucking hallucination of just fucking crazy people. Was it a hallucination, or and did maybe Tiffany they try were, to... Well, they were admitting it. Because they thought that it would stop the beating. This beating went on for about nine hours straight. So, I mean, okay. admitting it as in, like, I did it or admitting it as in, like... False confession type um, thing. False confession. It's a false confession. And, and yeah. they just were feeding into it, but they just wanted to stop getting beaten in the penis. Like, like seriously. So, just to let you guys know, they didn't actually touch any kids they were the fucking nieces so it's interesting that she's also including the brother who she did not have sexual dreams about now we're going back to the start of the case about 12 hours before that van pulled up with the parents keep in mind that they refused to say anything until they all got lawyers about 9 p.m at the church tiffany the almighty powerful tiffany wanted the leonard family to stay a while and do a counseling session. Obviously, the two bodyguard brothers were there as well. Mm-hmm. Both Christopher and Luke are standing there in the counseling room, and they're getting berated by Tiffany. And not only that, by their mother, Debbie, and the father, Bruce. Mm. Tiffany's saying that there's a demon inside these boys. And we're going to not stop until this demon is exercised. Exercised? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's doing bicep curls? Mm-hmm. Okay, shit. It was about 10 o'clock p.m. when Tiffany announced, God says the sinning has to stop. Everyone's free to go, but I would like the Leonard family to stay. From over the top of the skinny boy, he warned, you have three seconds to answer and then turn to Bruce. If you tell me to stop, I will. That's Joe. That's uh. Jerry Irwin's son, the big guy that I showed you earlier. Bruce may or may not have shaken his head, may or may not have answered, his voice and actions equally muted. Joe grabbed Chris by the shirt and gave the introverted, glasses-wearing child a one-two-three. He delivered a shot to the stomach that made the boy double over. If the Bowie knife was strapped to Joe's calf, he did not take it out and use it that night, despite his fists eventually absorbing shocks many times their capacity. If he doesn't answer, said Bruce, and in even keel, hit him again. If he doesn't answer, said Bruce, the dad. Yep. The dad is there watching his son getting beat alive. And not only that, the dad takes part in this and the mom and the sister. The sister's the one that does the most damage. Okay. Hmm. The family, the one that had driven him to the hospital is the one that murdered him. The father and the mother and this fucking asshole, Joe, the son, and then Tiffany, his sister. By not pastor. doing anything? Or are they actually... By beating the shit out of him. The, so the, the yes. family... So Joe, the big guy, punches the kid and Bruce, the father, says, hit him again. Joe punched the kid again, same spot, right in the gut. Chris nearly spat out saliva, but instead swallowed the pool of it. 
Linda made Chris take off his glasses. He fumbled with them nervously, almost dropping them. Before he could lower his arm all the way, Linda hauled off and punched him in the face. Blood spewed from his nose, but that wasn't the end. She pummeled him madly all over the head and chest, sending the blood from his nose flicking against the wall. Debbie, who'd gotten out of her chair heavy and panting, walked up to Chris and punched him. Hold on, Debbie. Is his Debbie mom. is the mother. Debbie, who gotten out of her chair, heaving and panting, walked up and punched her own son. What the fuck? Huh. All right. So the mother yells, confess, confess your sins. Just do it, said Tiffany, her words intense. Taking his brother's lead, Chris admitted to molesting Grace, Ezekiel, and other children. He confessed in graphic detail to molesting Sarah's kids. But the attic was a fortress. How did they access? When? At this point, they're getting beaten for hours. The father says, they've been lying to me this whole time, pretending to my face. He went back and forth, lashing each of the boys on the back and the chest. One unforgiving strike after another, beating the shit out of his own fucking kids like a piece of shit. You know, Chris heard someone say, you better start talking. Repent. Tell us the truth. Now they're just making up shit because they just wanted to stop. At this point, the stepsister comes in and brings in the uh, extension cord, the power cord, and starts lashing at the brothers. Sarah was wild. She aimed at Luke's groin, thrashing heedlessly. Blood poured from down his the front of his pants from the zipper and ran down his leg. Linda's scraggly salt and pepper hair almost touched Luke as she leaned into him and ridiculed him like a schoolyard bully. Oh, little boy peed his pants. He ain't so tough now. Saliva flung out of her mouth when she emphasized tough. Now, the it wasn't pee. That was blood. Oh, I mean, you saw the, the actual. Now, Sarah, the sister, screams, get off the floor. Because they kept falling to the floor. Now, at this point, this is hours in. This is about three, three or four hours in. This was a nine hour event. Oh, my God. Holy shit. That's like this more started than a at 10 at 10 at night and it's already 3 a.m. <sighs> Tears of unbridled rage streamed down her face. She flogged both teens in the chest, arms, legs, and groin, and not with the plastic end that most of the others had used. She hit them with the metal prongs. Ooh. The sound of the whip snapping against their clothing interspersed with their screams. Please stop. That's what Luke said. How could you? She bellowed. Ah, he screamed as the plug drove another notch in his back. Every crack of the whip made his body contort. Oof. He didn't have meat enough to defect the battery. Ah, please stop! He cried, but his pleadings went unrecognized by any word of life member in that room as he stood just barely. Oof. They still haven't got the truth. It's 3 a.m. They take Chris, one of the brothers. They take the brother Chris. They put him out to the big sanctuary, put earphones on him and earplugs so he can't hear Luke screaming. And then they go on Luke solo. So, the, I mean, it's kind of crazy that the family is also in on it. It's not just the cult and the cult leader and the church members. It's their own family. Chris was mutilated. Sarah alone must have whipped him 50 times in the genitals. His body was reacting with edema. He had taken so many strikes that his organs were shutting down, leaching poisons throughout his system. Luke remained in the corner of the big sanctuary, his bleeding so profuse that it completely soaked the rear of his jeans, the entire pant leg, his sock, his shoe. He was falling over in the chair, shaking violently, mumbling incoherent. 
the whole time the the rest of the congregation that's there they're chanting these three words you're gonna die you're gonna die oh my god you're gonna die so as they're beating the shit out of these two boys the rest of the people that are not involved are chanting this you're gonna die like over and over so and over like and over and over to die. and then they were making up all this stuff about molestation about all this stuff. to justify in their minds what they were doing Right? Maybe, I don't know, but it maybe it's almost like you're just going like a false confession. You just want them to stop. You just want this shit to stop. So you'll say whatever they want to hear. Right. But there's not enough is is you re- if you read this book, you'll figure out that there's not enough. Tiffany, there's not a limit. She's going to want more and more and more and more and more and more and more until you say that you're Satan himself and you're the reincarnated Antichrist or something. And that's probably not even enough. That's kind of how she is. Now, I didn't get into the lifestyles of these kids, but they, I mean... They were normal, or they wanted to be normal teenagers, I would guess. So, like, the molestation... Now, how did those ter- those claims even come about? Because of... And I didn't really get into this, but they think molestation is you looking at... Like, let's say Luke looks at his niece and stares at her for three seconds longer than he should, or, or like just, like, in a daze. Like, something towards the direction Exactly. That means he's... He's not even molesting her. That's not. That's nothing. He's oh, yeah. actually putting a demon inside of her, a, oh. mo- a demon that molests her. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a different. These guys are fucked up in the head, man. They think demons are fucking everywhere. We didn't get into all the demon talk. So what happened after they, so he, they brought him to the hospital. He died after, before. Well, he's, he's, no, he's been dead. dead for 12 hours. Right. He was actually already decomposing when they got Ugh. him there in the first place. I mean, you saw the jeans. And yeah. how, like, see, how is that dad that shocked in that video that, that we first watched? Yeah. Come on. Like, he's part of the beating of his own guy. Yeah, he's son. part of the one that killed him. His sister is the one that took the electrical cord and right. started flogging his penis. So, like, so how was the death um, classified? Homicide, hopefully. Deborah, the mother. She was 59 at the time. She pleads guilty to assault in the first and second degree. She gets five years. Bruce, the father, 66, pleads guilty to felony assault, gets 10 years. Sarah, the sister, the one that was flogging his penis over and over, probably like, I think it was like 70 times in the penis with a fucking electrical cord. She gets 25 years for manslaughter and assault. Good. What about Tiffany? One of the bodyguards, Joseph, gets eight years for gang assault. Daniel, the other brother, gets two years for unlawful imprisonment. And Tiffany, 29 at the time, pleads guilty to manslaughter and assault and gets 12 years in prison. Hmm. And she's still in there now, but she doesn't. She doesn't have much time But as the DA said, she she walked into the court not caring at all. Which is surprising in a way. I mean, if you're pleading guilty, it's kind of like, yeah, I did this. No, but in her mind, God sanctioned that. Like, it's like her duty. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's why she wouldn't care. It's like, well, you know, this happened. God told me I should do this. Quote, she was the only person I've ever seen walk into a courtroom facing a murder charge and think, I'm so above this. He later said she walked in. She would look at the cameras. She'd look around, flash a little half grin, and she relished in the spotlight because she knew she was the center of attention. And she had that in her church. Now she has it in a courtroom. 
I don't so, see a picture of her again. So what happened to the brother? Oh, she's a butch. Straight butch. Was she before? No, the brother's Scott. I mean, the brother's got no, no, beat. No. Yeah, did, but did he know, survive? Like, yeah, he yeah. Survived. Oh, no, he survived. Like, and he got the fuck out. Good. I don't know what he's doing now, but he's like, none, none of the family, because the, the Leonard's had a lot of other children. A mm-hmm. lot. You know, the nieces or whatever, they don't talk to any of the family members anymore. Okay. Like, they don't talk to these fucking nut jobs at all, from what I heard. Like, completely just like, fuck you, dad, mom, get the fuck. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Fucking crazy shitheads. All these guys should fucking burn to hell, I think. You, I mean, you beat your son to death. It's not like just killing him in like 30 minutes. This took fucking nine hours. For something he didn't even do. Oh, it's fucking shit, man. Yeah, that's not okay. I mean, I'm glad that they got prison time. I think Tiffany should have gotten more prison time. Well, she actually didn't hit anybody. So the thing with the DA is they had to prove that she was in control of the situation. That's the challenge with this. Because she didn't lay her hands on anyone. But she they had to prove that she was... The one that was letting this happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because she's the cult leader. It's like Manson, um, Charlie Manson. He didn't actually kill anyone, mm-hmm. but yet he served all the time, right. right? Yeah. His minions killed people. It's kind of interesting. Like, I was ca- counting off the number of people that you sent it, like, were calling who got sentenced in this trial. Yeah. And it's pretty much half the church. Yeah. Like, <laughs> out of the 18 that yeah. was left, almost everyone either in prison or, you know. Well, so here's the thing. You know, about it, like, all right, you want me to tell you why he got murdered? This is the real reason why. Because the church is now in debt. They owed, I think it was like $40,000 for utility bills and stuff like that. Oh, they don't 40, have that 000. money. You can you can pay that off in increments. That's what You have 18 members. You have 18 I members. Most are on long. food stamps. You have 18 members. Most on food stamps. You ain't going to pay that off. So what Tiffany did... And I didn't get into this at all, but she had a divine message from God that said, one of you in the congregation is supposed to donate a large sum to the church. Oh, very vague. And then no one had the money to donate. Donate. So then this kind of came up, you know what I'm saying? I didn't really get into all that. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you use. If you like this story, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our prophet, go to talkmore.com slash join. Become a Talk host Supremo. Get a badass t-shirt, sticker swag, a lot of love. Shout it out all over the place. Tell me what story you want me to do. I'll dedicate I'll research it, dedicate it to you on the Talk Murder Me podcast. My name is John here with Jenna and Nicole. And until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people. And stop drinking. No one's going to listen to this because it's not going to get put in. Because it's a Well, we can't start the same story. You know. <laughs> This is bloopers gold right here. Hell yeah, Jen. People want to hear this shit. Whoever from Germany. You know I'm not... putting all this in there, Jen. Yeah, I know. Right, I'm I saying. don't care. I, mean, I don't want you tomorrow to be like, cut all the times I was drunk because no, it was the whole app. No, I'm always. Right, fuck it. <laughs> She's drunk Jen's fucking here. She's been here the whole fucking night. What's up, guys? It's drunk Jen filling in for regular Jen because I am drunker than y'all are. We know. <laughs> yeah we know but I, I've come down from my initial exactly so by the time we're ready 
you'll be ready. Okay, this is the guy. Right, you re- tell me when you're ready. Okay, Dan, we will. Don't punk out on okay, me. Okay, yeah, I we gotcha. Won't. Why did sorry, you purposely corona. cough into the mud? I didn't. I'm sorry. Corona. Founders Brewing Company has found a way to make an IPA you can enjoy anytime that's perfect for any occasion with their all-day IPA. At 4.7 ABV, you can still taste the hops, of course, but it's the complex array of malts and grains that make all-day IPA a beer that will grab your attention. That full flavor and low ABV is what continues to make it a staple in my fridge. Look for Founders in your favorite beer store or check out their full line of beer at foundersbrewing.com. Founders Brewing Company, born and brewed in Michigan since 1997. There are so many reasons not to skip breakfast. So many savory, mouth-watering, tasty, delicious beyond all belief reasons. Actually, that last one was pretty convincing. Stop by for a McDonald's breakfast. Mix and match a sausage biscuit, sausage McMuffin, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Any two for just two bucks. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal.